Hi everyone and welcome to the Effective Teaching Podcast. This is episode 57 and today we're looking at how does classroom behavior impact lifelong learning. Now of course as always if you would like to get the show notes for this episode or if you want to listen to it or watch it uh, on an actual website with the notes and stuff or subscribe to the emails that go out about the podcast head over to teacherspd.net slash 57 and you'll be able to access all the information there. Well, I want to start this episode by telling you a few things not to do when it comes to uh, behavior management. And that is, firstly, don't yell at your students. I was taught very early in my career, my, both my parents were teachers, and they gave me very clear instructions when I first started teaching, don't yell. What you want to do is actually lower your voice, and then that actually has a better impact on getting students' attention. So rather than yelling and screaming to get over the top of their um, the class, you actually just lower your voice, and then they start to pay more attention or they know they're in trouble, you know, say their name, hey, Jerry, stop doing that, rather than, hey, Jerry, doesn't work, okay, so don't yell at them, yelling at them also, you know, belittles them, it is disrespectful, and I think that's really one of the key things that we'll get to in a moment about what we need to be trying to do is making sure we're being respectful and safe and not belittling their kids in front of the class, and that's, you know, one of the things I want to tell you not to do as well is when it comes to behavior management, is try to actually address behaviors separate from the class. So if someone's doing something that's really frustrating and stopping kids from learning, you know, actually ask them to just go outside for a sec and then going outside and talking to them and then bringing them back in or going and just getting next to them and addressing the problem really directly there rather than you know, calling them out in front of everyone. Uh, very different approaches there and different results that you'll get too. And remember too that in the classroom, you are the authority and therefore you are the one who is responsible for what's happening in there. So it is your job to make sure that the kids are safe and to make sure that everything is set up well. And so you need to make sure that you do address unsafe behavior really quickly and appropriately. Uh, and as you do this, you want to make sure that you know it's really dealt with very uh, very much like shut out almost, I guess, if it's not safe. But if it's disrespectful behavior, you still need to address it quickly. You can't allow things to just kind of progress and progress because it builds up and the extent to which they're being disrespectful will become larger. So you are responsible for what's happening in your classroom. Uh, And I guess that's going to flow into the other thing is that as the responsible person in your classroom, you also want to be a really good model for your students. And so that will actually mean you being uh, you know, avoiding things like favoritism, avoiding sarcasm generally in your class because a lot of students just aren't going to get it uh, and will actually end up being offended by what you're saying, even though you're not necessarily meaning to be offensive. So you want to avoid those kinds of things. But as that example, you also need to model how to properly and appropriately respond to people who are behaving in these manners, whether it's unsafe manners or disrespectful manners, and they will take different responses, but it's your job to model the correct response. And if you model by going straight to yelling at kids and by belittling them in front of everyone, that's going to be what they see and what they then try to do in the future. Now, when it comes to learning, students learn better in a safe and respectful environment. And they're the two things every year when I set up my classroom, I really focus on those things with my kids. You know, this is a safe place and it's also a respectful place. And that respect flows in every direction, between the students, between me and the students, and between the students and me. And that means 
that they have to understand what that looks like, what that means in terms of how I behave and how I treat them. Even when they're being disrespectful or rude or when they're doing the wrong thing, I do should not respond and I do my best not to respond in a disrespectful manner. Uh, to always treat the student as a student, as a person in front of me. So our goal is to set up this environment that's safe and respectful. And we need to make sure that we're setting that example. I've seen so many teachers where they demand obedience or they demand respect without giving any to the students. You know, I have vivid recollections when I was first teach, teaching of a teacher and a student in the playground actually getting right up to each other where their noses were almost touching and the teacher was just yelling at this student and you know, there is no respect there. Even though that student was not being respectful to start with, the response of the teacher was not one where it was, they were modelling better behaviour. They were actually modelling pretty much exactly the same behaviour as that student. And it's important that we are modelling the correct adult behaviour when it comes to this. And this can be particularly hard to do, but it's something we should be constantly working on. And you know, admitting when we get it wrong is fantastic. The students learn a lot when we admit when we get stuff wrong. Now to do this, it all starts with your expectations. So making sure you set everything up really well at the beginning of the year, and then you remind the students of those expectations frequently. Now that frequency could be as frequent as every single lesson. It doesn't mean you go through all the expectations every lesson, but at least a reminder of the expectation that's gonna to apply to what you're doing that lesson. And for me, because my expectations are generally that you will be respectful and that you will make sure that this is safe, I will then detail things for a particular lesson. So if I'm taking kids outside to play physical activity, I'll say, all right, you know, we need to be safe out here, so make sure we've got sunscreen, hats if it's a sunny day. If there's potholes, you know, and point them out to the students, these are potholes, we're gonna avoid those today. Uh, and we need to make sure that we're respectful, so we're not picking on people who can't perform as well as we can, etc. And so I'm reminding them of that as we go out. And because I do that frequently, and then we'll improve how well they stick to those expectations because they're constantly being reminded of it. And you might even start to get them to tell you, what, what am I expecting here? When we're doing respectful behavior, what do I expect you to do in this context? Uh, the other thing you wanna do is talk to your students about those expectations. You might even set it up with them, but then you wanna to stick to them and make sure that you apply them with equity. And that's opposed to applying them equally. So you're setting up these expectations and I actually talk to my students very clearly at the beginning of the year about the difference between equity and equal and the basically talking about what fair actually means. And so is it fair for me to treat all of you exactly the same? No, it's not, okay? Because they're actually all of you are different parts uh, you're at different levels of responsibility. You have different things that are going on in your family lives and in everything else that's going on around you. So I cannot expect right, uh, the same things from you and I cannot treat you all exactly the same. In fact, you would actually get annoyed at me if I did that. And so I walk them through this idea of what fair is and what equity is compared to just doing an equal blanket uh, treatment. And then I talk to them also, and when I do my behavior management, I talk about making sure that we address the root causes and not just the symptoms. And so one of my key things with this is that I want my students, when they have something that happens, whether someone's disrespectful to them, there's poor behavior, something becomes unsafe, we're actually trying to find out what the causes are behind this, where we're trying to find out, you know, and get a bit more perspective and empathy in my students. And so poor behavior, it's often the result of something else. Uh, that could be a feeling of disempowerment. 
It could be broken relationships, whether that be family, romantic, or friendships. Uh, it could be for medical reasons. It could be because of learning difficulties. Uh, it could even just be from boredom. You know, maybe my lesson is just terrible, and therefore I've got lots of students mucking up. So there's lots of other ones, of course, as well. But when we when I address their behaviour, I tell them when I talk to you about it, what I'm going to be trying to find is your root cause, not just address the symptom. It doesn't mean I ignore the symptom. Okay, it just means that I'm actually looking to help you as a human being, is what I tell my students, so that when we're addressing this, I can actually help you become better and to learn better strategies for managing it. Which, of course, is what I next talk about, is providing a correct way. So when something goes wrong in the classroom and I'm sitting down with my student, I've found the root cause, whatever it happens to be, maybe they broke up with their girlfriend that morning and then they've taken it out on someone else in the classroom. We'll then talk about the correct ways of actually... Uh, applying this or dealing with this and so once the root is identified I then provide students I don't necessarily ask them to think about depending on how they are uh, but I will generally involve them in the discussion but I'll provide them with a couple of ways and then get them to try and think of a few others but I want to give them ways that they could have actually expressed what's going on in a safe and respectful manner and so if they've just blurred the stuff out in the classroom how to go another student I'll talk about well maybe yeah, if this is coming from, you know, you've had a hard bit day in the morning, if you flag that with me as you come in, uh, maybe you can help, I could then help you to you know, isolate or to make sure that you can do work, but you're not actually having to deal with other issues. Uh, and we help identify different strategies that they could apply that would have actually reduced the chances of the blow up or whatever happened in the class. And Doing that helps the students understand that we actually care about them, even though they're the ones that did the wrong thing. I care about them enough to find out what's going on. I care about them enough to help provide them with strategies so that doesn't happen next time. And then the next thing that I want to do is make sure that we actually focus on restoring the relationships that got broken. And that doesn't mean going back and restoring his you know, romantic relationship that broke up. It's about the relationships that got disturbed in that classroom. And that relationship could just be the relationship between me and that student. Maybe they've just been disrespectful and blown up at me. And therefore, I'm going to sit down with them and talk about my perspective of what happened, how it made me feel. And I want to understand about how they felt too about what had happened in the classroom and what I had done that had maybe caused things as well. And then we need to address that. And obviously, if, it, if they've done this to another student, I'll actually get that student to tell me how they felt. I'll actually get them to tell me what they would like to see happen to the student. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to do what they asked me to do to have happened to the student, but it means that I'm going to get more of an insight into how offended they were and what things I need to communicate to the student, the offended, the offensive student uh, to guide them in terms of how they could go about restoring this relationship. Now, it might mean that I need to hold meetings with the student, have them talk to each other, and that communication that happens in those meetings is more about helping the students to understand each other's perspectives and how the incident made each other feel. Uh, and then how that was disrespectful, and then what needs to happen going forward. Because my goal is always to restore the, relation, the relationship. There's something that's gone wrong, there's consequences that are going to come, but my goal is actually the consequences should actually help them to restore that relationship, to help the student to become a better person. Uh, because we all know we don't want to just stay stagnant. We don't want kids to remain as they are when they're five years old and come to school. We want them to grow and mature. We want them to actually learn how to manage themselves as people, how to make sure that they're being respectful and kind and courteous, but also you know, being able to communicate what their needs and desires are in appropriate ways so that they're not you know, disempowered 
within the process, but where they are actually becoming a better human being through this. And so, yes, consequences come as we go through this process, but I want to develop in them a sense of empathy. I want them to understand different people's perspectives on things, and I want them to understand what it takes to actually restore the relationships because in life, this is something that's really important. And students are learning through this whole process. Whatever the issue is that happens in my classroom, I want them to learn through it. So even if they're just learning how to manage themselves, how to communicate better, how to deal with conflict in a more appropriate manner, everyone's going to learn from that. And the main thing I want my students to learn throughout this process as well, apart from you know the fact that they need to get better and that they have done this wrong and they need to improve in this sense and think about different strategies within that, probably the biggest thing across this whole process is that I want the students to learn that we care or that I care about what's going on, about who they are, about where they're going, about how they're growing and maturing, because my goal is to actually help them to become people who live well with other people. And part of that means that they have to learn how to deal with issues and learn how to overcome obstacles within relationships. And I think that's actually one of the things that's key for lifelong learning. Because in lifelong learning, you require other people within your learning. You, you, one of the key ways of learning is collaborating, it's communication, and that requires other people. And our system, our system at school is really, it's quite against us in a way in terms of you know, having great classrooms. Now, we all know if you've got period six on a Friday that you are in for a hard lesson generally, right? Because our students have been sitting in classrooms for you know five to six hours a day for four or five days a week. And when it gets to that point, at the end of the week, even just on the end of Monday, kids are exhausted, okay? Particularly if they've been asked to sit still, to focus, pay attention, do hard work, to be using their brain heavily. By the time they get to that afternoon session, they're actually completely exhausted and worn out and they need someone who understands that and they can help them. And we're often exhausted at that point too. And that actually causes, you know, if we're exhausted and we're struggling and they're exhausted and they're struggling, more conflicts and issues are going to come up from both sides. And so us knowing that and coming into it is really important for what we then do in our lesson, how we plan it. And how we plan our lessons and creating engaging and fun lessons is very important for classroom management. And I want to, I don't think that can be emphasized enough. I think we've heard it many times as teachers that you know having really good engaging lessons is a good start. Okay, it's probably one of the most impactful things you can do to manage behavior in your classroom. Of course, there's always going to be behavioral issues anyway, but how you then approach that, if you are modeling and being respectful and making sure that the classroom is safe for your students and that you are dealing fairly, not equally, but fairly with your students, then I think what ends up happening is that the students see that you actually care and that developing of rapport, that connection with your students helps to manage that behavior because it gives you greater insight into your students. The more you know them, the better you can care for and look after them in terms of making sure that your classroom is safe and respectful for each one of your students. Well, this week, if you want to do something, get to know your students a bit more. If you haven't set up some clear expectations with your class, take some time and do it. Even though it's, you know, uh, if you're in Australia, it's getting late in the year. If you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, it's the beginning of the year, perfect timing. Let's set up these really great, clear expectations. You can do it with your class, put it up on the wall in your classroom and refer to it frequently. And if you've already set it up, 
maybe your next lesson this week, refer to those expectations so that your students know what's coming, know what they need to do. Make sure your lessons are engaging. And then if something happens, make sure you're looking to actually understand the root cause and to address the broken relationships and to show the student that you care while modeling to them how they can grow and learn through this process. Well, if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can head over and grab the show notes at teacherspd.net slash 57. And of course, I would love it if you could subscribe to the podcast if you like it. You can leave a review if you're enjoying it. And of course, I like to connect with you. So please come over to Facebook and join the community there or come and follow me on Instagram at DanJacksonTPD. Well, until next week, I'll see you then.